Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Hey, uh, did y'all see uh, Bill and Ted 3 yet? I did. I did as well. And? Oh. I know that's not what we're talking about. Just wanted that's to get not... a quick little, mm, yeah. how do we feel? Um, I enjoyed it. I, I yeah. cried a little bit at the end. Yeah? Yeah. Cried a little bit? Cried a little bit. Tay? I, I Any also, tears? Uh, there were also tears. Um, I uh, I thought it was great. I thought it very much captured the kind of stupid fun of the, mm-hmm. the original movies. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the children. Uh, I yes. thought that, the, that, that those actors were very yeah. talented. Um, Billy yeah, and the, Thea. And that Bill, yeah, that Bill and Ted named their daughters after each other. <laughs> it's <know>. very good. <laughs> I re- really loved that. I thought it was just a great... You know, just a really great movie. Like, you can think into it and maybe find some, like, nice reflections on, like, getting older. Or you could just watch it and enjoy the kind of fun stupidity of it. Which, either way. Yeah. I, I would agree. I uh, Justin and I were both, I think, a little surprised at how good it was. I mean, mm-hmm. I and I say that. I am a, I am a big yeah. fan of Bill and Ted 1 and 2. So, I was predisposed to love it. But I also know what these m- films are. Yeah. And I did not expect it to be as good as I feel like it was. Yeah. I feel like it was objectively a well done. Yeah. Um, and I also, uh, I also cried a little at the end there. Yeah. I I did expect more of a Veronica Mars film. Like this is for the fans. Like here's a bunch of Easter eggs and and funny bits from the previous movies. That kind of thing. There were a and couple. They, they were in there. Station. But, yeah. <laughs> that was that wasn't the whole movie. <laughs> No, there, there were a couple, and it. I, I felt like all the additions to the cast were great, and um, Charlie loved it. Cooper even watched the whole thing. If you really? Can that. Yeah. I love that. Man, she would enjoy that. As soon as it ended, though, Charlie went, can we watch it again? Oh. <laughs> I was like, really? And I, I didn't know if she'd follow, because we've shown her Bill and Ted 1, but we never showed her their bogus journey, because... That's scary. Yeah. It's a little scary. I feel like when they go to H E double hockey sticks, it's a little scary. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's intense and, and I just didn't know if my six year old was ready <laughs> for discussions of the afterlife. Uh, I also think death is a little scary at first. I mean, like once he yeah. starts talking and he's playing battleship and whatever, he's not so scary. But like at first it's a little intense and then like there's a whole other conversation when they go to heaven, I guess. So mm-hmm. I just wasn't prepared for all that. So we, she's never seen the bogus journey. So I didn't know how it would go over skipping straight to face the music. Mm-hmm. But yeah. apparently, apparently she kept right up there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who that guy is with the giant sickle, but he must have been in the band. <laughs> or, or why literally everybody goes to goes to heck. But, I yeah. know. There's also that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of a joke in the second movie, like, oh, well, you know, they, they go to heck. But then, like, everybody does. It's like, well, all right. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, you could always question the theories of time travel sure. associated with Bill and Ted yeah. films. But, <laughs> yeah, you really can't think too hard about this one. Um, Handing instruments to everyone in every dimension, that was also yeah fascinating yeah. Um, and that that part was real just kind of like smooth and like a you know done in like a just a series of cutscenes. like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh okay. it was very earnest in a way that i i think movies are often lacking it was it, it was there was no cynicism it was mm-hmm. just 
This is what it is. Let's just all rock out now. Also, somehow Bill and Ted still sound exactly like Bill and Ted. They do. Like, what, 20 years later? Yeah. What I was surprised... Longer? Like, Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves has definitely aged. Alex Winter did not so much. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of looks exactly the same. (laughs) He he, He does look very similar. I agree. Did you... See, there's a BuzzFeed quiz where you can figure out which one you are. <gasps> no. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would I'd recommend it. I was surprised to find I'm a Bill. I kind I don't know why I thought I was a Ted, but I assumed I was a Ted. I would have thought you were a Ted. I'm a Bill according to the BuzzFeed quiz. Well, I'm going to have to um, I know. Go I figure. Take I don't that. know myself. When when Justin and I dressed up as Bill and Ted for Halloween many years ago, I was Ted. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why I assumed I was Ted, but there we go. Alas. Well. You were wrong. I, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. It was <laughs> highly enjoyable. It was highly enjoyable. Uh, it was just the kind of thing I felt like we need right now. <laughs> um, That's very true. It is the kind of stupid thing you just need yeah. for your it, brain. It felt very timely, though, in the sense that it's like, well, the, 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 the whole universe is collapsing very soon. <laughs> yeah yeah that's on the nose yeah it doesn't it didn't that did not feel odd yeah yeah definitely Uh Um, right in times i am also a bill that fast huh it was only like five questions six questions it was yeah um just letting everyone know riley is of the generation that can take a buzzfeed quiz faster than anyone else that is one of the hallmarks (laughs) of your generation is how fast you can take internet personality there are only so many times you can be asked like which one of these is your go-to snack food before you're like i know my answer if you're giving me like pizza a burger soda or chips i know my answer is gonna be every single time see those of us who were raised on like teen magazine and (laughs) 17 magazine quizzes we're not prepared for this sort of speed yeah, or like if they show you like one of the questions is which which wild stallion would you want to ride with, and it's just four pictures of horses. Like I'm just gonna pick the one that immediately I'm like that one. Wow. <laughs> see, I'm used to thinking into them so that I can get the answer I want. That's not Sydney. Well, you're not, yeah, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Obviously, that didn't work because you're not a Ted. <laughs> well, there you go. I wonder if we're are we all three? Are we a, well, a trio I, of now bills? I'm taking it. I want to know. Talk amongst yourself. I got to take this quiz now. <laughs> um, this is our first podcast episode that I'm 20. Does oh, it feel right. different? I feel like an, an adult. I feel sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how adults talk, too. I know. <laughs> we, we falsely lower our voices <laughs> to sound more sophisticated. I just want to sound fancy. <laughs> oh, okay. And then a little bit of uh, transatlantic yeah. accent kind of thing going on there. Oh, okay. no, I'm not very good at accents. Right. Just whatever, whatever gets, gets in there. <laughs> okay. I am a Ted. All right. All right. We've well, got we... two bills and a Ted. You are a chill person with a rock star soul. You're easygoing, but still confident in your abilities. I don't know if I trust this quiz, <laughs> but I'll take it because I like Ted. Welcome to Still Buffering. We are Two Bills and a Ted. <laughs> Will that be the name of our podcast now? Two Bills and a Ted. <laughs> There's probably some like copyright issues with that. Yeah. What if we spell them slightly differently? How? What are, yeah. Bi- how? Go ahead. Explain. <laughs> Bill Please. with one L. Oh, and Ted with two D's. Yeah. Yep. 
I don't think Or like that's... if you spell them phonetically, like you, you spell out mm-hmm. like the pronunciation. And maybe like two is like How else? T-O instead of the correct one. And a Ted is like a U-H, like a Ted, not a Ted. Uh, <laughs> nobody's this, nobody's gonna get this. This is remind me of that thing you do, where, like the O'Neaters. Yeah, why are you called the O'Neaters? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's we're not talking about Bill and Ted, although you should, if you need a pick me up, it's a good film, you should no. go watch it. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Tay? Well, we're we're talking about um. Hideshi Hino's uh, Bug Boy, which was my offering this week. But before we start talking about it, I want to give a quick shout out. Um, oh. That's okay. Uh, Unusual. Yeah, I usually don't do this, uh, but there's a specific listener uh, <laughs> by the name of Ned. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a kitten uh, oh. who, who's been listening to some of our podcasts uh, as they're trying to, I think, get like socialized. Um, mm hmm perhaps part feral or not comfortable around humans yet. Mm. So I just want to say, you know what, Ned? I totally understand as someone who's also not particularly comfortable around humans yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you just you you trust them little by little, you'll find that some of them are worth worth keeping around and trusting and getting close to. So just just keep at it and, you know, getting comfortable with your humans. And you'll before you know it, you'll you'll be part of a family. So, you know. You're in good it, hands, Ned. It, it worked for Taylor. We would leave <laughs> a trail of cat food outside of their door <laughs> to our room until eventually they followed it to us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I don't eat cat food, but I just want to let you know. Okay, going back inside. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about cats, so I don't really know how you do that. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying, I'm not. A, I'm not a vet. I'm not a cat professional. Uh, what else are we talking about? All there? right. Yeah. So, so the comic I brought to the table was uh, uh, by a Japanese artist by the name of Hideshi Hino. Uh, the specific comic is Bug Boy. Um, it uh, it's sort of like a weird, like body horror uh, child story take on Kafka's. <laughs> metamorphosis i don't think it's uh, you're really selling it yeah yeah i mean okay so i should uh so the story follows the the journey of sampe who's a young boy who is kind of an outsider he loves collecting bugs and he doesn't really like doing his schoolwork and he's kind of a weirdo and he's very ostracized for this people pick pick on him and make fun of him and you know his family is constantly disappointed by him and uh, he, over the course of the comic, after he he barfs up a little bug that then stings him, he transforms into the, the titular bug boy and, uh, you know, kind of becomes a bit of a monster in society. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a sad story, definitely. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came across the story in college. Uh, my sophomore year in college is when it... It came to me, and basically, uh, there was just a, a little stack of comics in the back of one of my classrooms, and it was two comics by Hideshi Hino. It was this one and another one that I'll call Heck Baby. You can figure out the real name. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I noticed them, like, two weeks in a row, and I'm like, oh, those look cool. I want to read them. And so finally, I, like, took them from the classroom one week and then brought them back the next week. 
I, mm-hmm. you know, just, but, uh, but this was one that really, really stuck with me because it was a very kind of dark, sad, lonely time in my life. And I think that's why this comic resonated with me so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, so we, we have both read it too. And mm-hmm. I, I felt the same way in that, I mean, obviously on the surface, it is, it is sad. It is a uh, dark, I would say story, but, um, it was, I, I felt like it had a lot to say about, you know, that feeling of being an outsider, of not being accepted, mm-hmm. of people being afraid or disgusted by what you are or that sense that people will be, mm-hmm. I should say. Moreover, not necessarily, I know literally in the book, people are afraid mm-hmm. and disgusted by a giant bug. But like that fear that people will be afraid or disgusted if they find out about you or, or get to know you or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I felt like it had a lot to say about that and what that journey can be like mm-hmm. to, to being yourself. And can I just say the, on a, just a less serious note, the creator who decided that this is the kind of bug that, that the, the boy w- would be mm-hmm. did a great job of picking what would be most terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> is that the creepiest of bugs to you? Little, For me, yes. Like a little worm guy. It's just like the 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 squish of it. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> the smoochiness of it all. Yeah, like I hate yeah. those like the big caterpillars, Sid. That like you had living on your plants oh, for really? a while. Do those bother you? They just I, there's something about them that I I just don't trust because they look very like they would be soft and nice, like a little like squishy toy. But then you know, no. Mm-mm. See, I I think like. In my head, because on the cover, he's pink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, a big giant pink bug doesn't seem as scary to me. I think if he had been white and looked more maggoty, Mm. Mm, I think that would have been a lot more upsetting for me personally to picture, like, a giant spiky maggot coming at me. Yeah. Is that the worst thing that could happen? (laughs) No. (laughs) A giant spiky maggot coming at you? Is that the next thing that 2020 is bringing? I mean, maybe. (laughs) had like big cute googly eyes like, like that's true Sompe the bug does i don't know yeah i think it's pretty cute um i i will say though that uh it, it did kind of remind me of like you know spider-man was like oh he got bit by a spider and got all these powers but he's not an outcast he's he's a normal teen but he also saves the world mm-hmm. it's like no this is this is probably this is like felt like a more accurate yes darker and sadder but this is a like a a Spider-Man story, but it's like, no, if you got bit by a, a bug that changed you, it's not uh-huh. going to, like, turn you into a cool, like, world-saving superhero. Like, the, you know? Right. You've never seen The Fly. I was going to no. say, it's okay. a bit more of a, a Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in The Fly situation. That See, happened. I yeah, just I just sure. thought of Spider-Man. Like, you got, uh-huh. a, you got a young boy, he gets bitten by a bug, and I'm like, oh, is he going to save the world? No. <laughs> there is no. that kind of intro of like, oh, he's kind of nerdy too. And like, maybe this is yeah. going to go in a good direction. that it does not. No, it I, does not. I had that feeling too. I thought, well, maybe once he embraces that he is a bug, maybe that's the story. Like, just embrace your own strangeness and be that. And then you will find happiness. But that was not the direction the book was going well and that's i mean i think that there's a point where there is almost a happy ending because you know like he he transforms transforms fully into a bug his family Mm -hmm. 
I mean, they they aren't sure if he's passed away because he like leaves behind kind of a cocoon that looks like his human form. So they think he's Mm -hmm. died and then they chase the bug away. But he goes and kind of like finds a happy, albeit somewhat lonely life in like the sewers. But he's Mm -hmm. very free. So there is that moment where you think this is the happy ending. Like he's kind of found his place. He's he's fine. He's still kind of himself. And then, you know, you see that his continual run-ins with humans drive him to be sort of feel like less safe and, 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 and angrier and angrier until he truly becomes a monster. Even though he's looked like a monster for a very long time, he hasn't behaved like one. Mm-hmm. Which I think in a lot of these stories where we have the sort of, you know, ostracized uh, loser type, they're always kind of played as the innocent. And we leave out the part where a life of abuse often leads to you becoming that kind of that monstrous thing that people always treated you like anyway, which is a mm-hmm. very sad, you know, other part of the story. Mm-hmm. I, I I found that too. I, I was thinking about that, like that, the phrase hurt people, hurt people. Um, mm. that it seems very uh, relevant at that part of the book where he, he does quite literally begin hurting people, mm-hmm. um, physically hurting, killing people. And uh, that is exactly the way he was treated for so long as if he was already that Mm -hmm. um that just by virtue of being different he was a monster and eventually just says well if i'm going to be if this is all i've ever been seen as is this is if this is all i will ever be seen as i may as well just be the monster Mm -hmm. i mean what what is the point it doesn't no matter what i do or how good or bad or i ever am this is all i will ever be so yeah i might as well just live that part and I, I think that that was one of the, the aspects of the story that spoke to me because I felt, you know, at the time that this came across my uh, uh, across my awareness, I was still very, very much in the closet and still very much struggling with my identity. And I mm-hmm. think that it partially because, you know, you feel like being like a young queer person, there's that feeling of like, I there's something wrong with me that people can't know I have to hide it or like if they know this they'll th- they'll see me as a kind of monster or maybe they do maybe they've figured it out about me before I've been able to pin it down and that feeling of like internal monstrosity uh, mm-hmm. is something that I could really relate to and the fact that the bug that bites him comes from himself you know it's not some like weird outside thing that transforms him it's literally something that he vomits up and then it bites him and causes this transformation it's something inside him that made him into a monster Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that piece of it, but it it isn't it isn't like just bad luck or coincidence or something. It is right. it is quite literally of his own making, mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and you really begin to hope, though. I that I still even as he kind of took that dark turn, like oh now he's a monster, now he's killing people, now he's harming people. I had still like kind of hoped like, well, maybe, maybe though, this is just a phase. <laughs> it's just a phase. We're supposed to see this as just, it's a bad time. Uh-huh. You know, right. I mean, they, he a had day. a lot of anger to work through. Sure. Like you said, he had been a, a victim of abuse. And so he, he needed to work through that rage he felt. Well, and the initial people that he attacks are bad people. They're people that have imprisoned him. And so it's mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, it shows where it's like, it seems justified at first, but then he just realizes that he can, he has strength and power to get revenge. And it's sad, but that's also so often something that plays into uh, the actuality of abuse. You know, it's like mm-hmm. once you grow up and have agency, then you become the abuser. 
it starts off, you think he's going to be like a Dexter. Like he's going to take a right. turn there. And Except only a, a bug Dexter. A bug Dexter a bug that Dexter. only kills bad people. <laughs> but You know, I think after uh. finishing Dexter, I would have preferred that at some point Dexter in the final season became the bug boy. <laughs> and then was a bug Dexter than, than how Dexter actually... That would have been a better ending. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, instead of being like a lumberjack, <laughs> it would have been better. I didn't watch the end. Is that what he turns into a lumberjack? Yeah, right. Yeah, he just like is in what Alaska or Canada or something, and he grows a beard and wears like a like his whole thing is now he's just like wearing a beanie and a flannel, and he's a lumberjack or like works some somewhere cold on and boats beardy. or something. Yeah, and that's his thing now. <laughs> this would have been uh, better. <laughs> well. I, I, I definitely want to talk more about Dexter and the end of the show I didn't see. But, <laughs> but before we do that... Let's check the group message. Uh, so, I know a lot of us are, are working from home these days. Um, or maybe going into the office occasionally, but a little less. But I still like to get dressed, whether I'm working from home or I'm going into work. I still like to get dressed for work so that I feel like I'm in that headspace, like that workplace, like mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm ready to take on the day. Um, and uh, But I want to be comfortable too, you know? I want to be able to transition quickly from like doing my work life, doing my mom life, whatever I'm going to do. And that's why I like uh, Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants because they're super comfortable, comfortable to wear while you're working. Um, that you can move in them, you can, whatever you got to do, going straight from like, for me, a busy day of like rounding in the hospital, coming straight home, rolling around on the floor with the kids, getting tackled, that kind of thing. Sure. Beta brand has you covered uh, because their clothes are so functional and comfortable. They feel like you're wearing workout gear, but of course you're not, you're wearing dress pants. Uh, They're just wrinkle resistant and made of this stretch knit fabric that are, that's perfect for, Going straight from work to home to whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants. I have been wearing them for a long time, um, and uh, I can't I can't speak highly enough of them. So Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Beta Brand dress pant yoga pants, what should they do? Well, right now our listeners can get 25% off their first order if you go to betabrand.com/buffering. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com/buffering. Buffering. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering. Get that 25% off. So I wasn't really going to talk more about Dexter. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think so. I, I, I didn't think. That just seemed like a transition. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think um, we yeah. had much more to say about that. No. I am sorry for anyone that we spoiled Dexter for. Man, you know, everyone complained about it so much online. I can't imagine that was news for many people. I was, was going to say. Um, Ted, this is this is kind of manga in general, like a broad question for for all manga. Um, is there a reason why they're they're made this like reading this way as opposed to like Ameri- American books? Uh, yeah, that's just how uh, that's how Japanese books are composed. Uh, so Interesting. That's, that's across across all publications. Uh, okay, they're done that way. Um, I was just I, I've read manga before, so I knew this was the way that it was read. But it'd been a very long time, so when I first opened it up to read it, I was like, "Wait a minute!" This, is there? On. There's usually like a little panel. I because I this this is the second volume in like a whole series of Hideshi Hino's comics, and they all have like a little standalone image. That they're like, "Wait, this is the back of the book!" Like in the front of the book. What? Yeah, you think there's is a the, little. 
there's a little um, bug actually in the top like right hand corner of every page oh, with cut. arrows pointing that's... in the direction of like the way the bug is moving but also that you're supposed to be reading yeah. the book that's it's funny uh justin read it too uh when you lent it to me to read and he tried to convince me for a, a good bit there that he had read it backwards and he was like i just don't understand why the book starts with you know the bug like dying and then goes backwards or, or you know and all goes this back and to the beginning <laughs> i was like what no no you know this right oh you know this right and he he really got me there for oh, a minute yeah, yeah they when, um, when when they first started importing manga back in like i don't know it was the 90s they would make a big point of flipping them so they would read the way that we're used to reading them and uh, mm -hmm. and, but I mean because it's not even just like you know the pages are reversed it's like the art is physically has to get moved around so it's like it's right you get a better experience you get it the way the artist intends it when you read it that that correct way Uh, yeah they also took a lot more liberties with translations back in the day these are these are pretty you know nowadays you can trust it's pretty solid but uh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do want to just give a bit of context to Hideshi Hino because I do think it it leads to an interesting like kind of thought about where this comes from in like from Japanese culture because uh, he was born in I think forty six uh, forty five or forty six. Uh, his parents were they were Japanese but they were immigrants to northern China and they had to flee at the end of the war um, when the when the Soviets invaded uh, and so they they were back in Japan post-World War II, and young Hideshi Hino would have been witness to a lot of truly traumatizing, horrific, you know, post-war destruction. Um, yeah. And I think that you can kind of, you know, you can really, a lot of his work has these creatures that are sort of, uh, they have this mashup of, like, innocence and then total, like, specifically body horror, like, specifically this sort of, like, just just destruction and melting of of their physical form and i mean that's you know and like these characters like there's bug boy but there's also the heck baby uh there's another <laughs> story that i that i really like that's uh, i can't think of the character's name but like he's this painter that's covered in boils and he's he's you know forced to go live all on his own because people are terrified of looking at him but out of his boils comes this paint that he can then use to to paint these beautiful works with so mm. I think that there's just so much of the, the psychology that comes from his childhood that then comes into his work. Mm-hmm. It, it also, I think, a lot is said not just about the character, the main character through the book, but, like, the society around him to, like, as we're talking about being the outca- outcast and, you know, being sort of abused by not just, like, your family, but by society as a whole, um, and continuing to be treated differently. And like the fact that it's a story where like somebody leaves their home and is able to instantly, you know, shake off kind of all that trauma that they've been through and be exactly who they are and, you know, live that life fully instantly is not really a true story mm. because it neglects the fact that like when when the bug boy goes out into the world, he's still a bug boy and the world is still rejecting a bug boy and still sees him as a monster and still like society itself is the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, well, that, the, that, that his difference can't just be accepted. That's a yeah. good point. It's kind of like the transformation has already taken place. He, it's, you know, the idea of him becoming yeah. a human again is almost, he's almost past that point by the time he's, he leaves his home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And it, it's sad because they do have the part where he does long for a family again. You know, he does long for it is very clear that he misses even without really knowing what he's missing. Mm -hmm. That sense of like belonging and togetherness and warmth, even though that's still it's it's interesting because it's still kind of an illusion. Mm -hmm. He didn't really have that. Yeah. He's missing something that he didn't have. But. Well, I guess it's it's probably before he has to leave his they make him leave Mm -hmm. um, where he's still in his room and it's like the the calls it his corpse but it's like the shell of him that he's left yeah. behind that he has to sleep in the bed with and finally oh, like yeah. they, they get rid of it and he's like oh good this is like this is my space now this is great this is everything I've wanted this is perfect and he thinks like oh this is my home now this is mm-hmm. great but then they kick it's it's a very, very sad moment where he's like this is okay now I get this space to myself and they, they brought food and left it in here but then you know I thought that um, in terms of symbolism making him sleep with his yeah the Whatever you want, the it was like shell. A, yeah, like of, a, a shed skin. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very, like, meaningful. The mm-hmm. idea that, like, your family is trying to make you still be this other thing to the point that you are, to the point that you're literally sleeping with your corpse, mm-hmm. the corpse of what you once were, because it is the only way your family is comfortable with yeah. you right now. Um, Which, man, the, the art around, I was trying to find it, when... Uh, there is his corpse there with him and it's like they've made it look like not an actual complete person but you can tell it like was a person but it doesn't have like the arms or the legs but it still has the face and the oh man it is just it is creepy Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is it's very good at being disturbing Mm. yeah there it is well that that yeah, well, that's, I think that the, you know, they're definitely in the in the realm of, like, Japanese horror artists, you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, like, now, like, Junji Ito is really big, and, like, you know, that's kind of really, like, beautifully drawn, and it's very specific and articulate, but there's something about the childlike quality of Hideshi Hino's art that makes it that much more disturbing and that much sadder. It's that, that there is that like it feels like this should be telling some sort of cute childlike allegory and yet it's being used to demonstrate something that's I think I think it's more relatable to I mean it's meant for adults of course but like it's definitely an adult mm-hmm. story it's definitely something that I don't think you would understand until you've kind of had experience with with life and and not not belonging you know mm-hmm. sure well I think it also that that style adds to for this specific story the idea that it's being told from the perspective of a child Mm -hmm. because even when he's a bug and he's a monster and he's killing people like he's still a kid he's a kid yeah and he's seen like his parents and stuff the way that like we're seeing them through his eyes the way that a child would view everybody around him Mm -hmm. which makes it even sadder yeah and you like you feel the isolation you feel the hopelessness you feel you can feel that looking at it through that perspective yeah well i mean i think it it is important that even before he's bug boy his characteristics and like his facial features are Mm -hmm. still very different than the rest of the his family like the people yeah he has like the bigger eyes and um his family all kind of look they're drawn very similar so i mean like even before he's he's a bug he's still different Mm -hmm. and it kind of carries over to when he is in his bug form Sure. Well, I think it's you know it's worth noting the kind of character development that's given pre-bug Sampe. Like, 
(laughs) Yes, he's like, he loves bugs and he's he's kind of a a weirdo, but like it shows his little underground lair. He builds this whole like, like hideaway where he keeps all of his animals that he protects. Like it really shows that while he doesn't fit in with what society expects with him, he has so much to offer in a different way. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's loving and he's creative and he's resourceful and he can't, he just doesn't fit in with the mold of what's specifically being asked from him. And I think that that you know, this, the, the sort of metaphor of the story works for a lot of different types of people that struggle with being different. But I think, you know, the, the kind of, the, the parallel with like the, the artist covered in the boils that I think for Hideshi Hino, it was about being uh, outside of the box, creative type, you know, different kind of thinker like that, that and not having a society around you that it makes room for those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um. Tay, I know that this book obviously it meant a lot to you in your younger years because that's why you've, you you wanted us to read it and talk about it. Um, I do you feel like it was disheartening though because it's not <laughs> it's not a story of because I I like you said I imagine that part of the reason you connected to this is because you felt on the outside you felt different and it doesn't it's not like reassuring like don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll find your people and it'll be okay. And, you know, I mean, it's not that story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of sad to say that I think that, you know, when you get to the end of this, uh, there's the these the series of panel where he's uh, spoiler for the ending. He goes back to his family and his family murders him. Basically, they shoot him Mm -hmm. and he gets away, but he crawls out to see it. He's dying slowly and he's finally at peace. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe why, for some reason, that made me feel okay. Because that's not what—that's not a good ending. You're absolutely right. But there's some sense of like he found peace somehow, you know, like I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that it did that, but I <laughs> no, I mean it's <laughs> that is not sad. But I mean, but that's the thing. Like sometimes, you know, I think if this story had whipped around and ended up with his family embracing him and loving him, I would have said, ah, this is. This is bullcrap. This isn't how this works. Uh, sometimes, yeah. you know, stories, they just make you feel less alone, even if they're sad stories. And that's what this did for me. It's not that it gave me hope that things would get better. It just made me feel like somebody gets it. Because that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's what sad stories and sad songs, like, that we don't always, we're not always comforted by by reassurance and, you know, that Sometimes positivity can be kind of toxic. Like, don't worry, things will get better. It's like sometimes we just have to accept that the world doesn't have a place for us yet. And we have to learn how to find peace with that. That's not a great, that's not what I'm putting out there in the universe. But I think that's, you know, <laughs> that art just just sometimes is another another person there in, in the dark place with you is more comforting than than, you know, people on the other side of it saying, don't worry, it'll get better. Sometimes it's nice just to have someone go, I don't know if it'll get better, but I'm here with you. That's true. And I think I think it's a fair point to make that um, we're used to that message now because I think depending on what what your perspective is that makes you feel like you're on the outside mm-hmm. or makes you feel different, um, there are so many with the internet and, you know, with the world we live in today, there's so many more ways to find people who are 
who you do feel are like you, who are, you know, people you can connect with on whatever level is making you feel outside. It's so much easier to see a picture of yourself living the life you want to live in a happy, healthy way in the future than it would have been at different points in time. Like there were lots of points in history where, you know, being born a certain way does mean you're never really going to fit. And there isn't like at that point in time, there wasn't a future yet where that would change. So, I mean, that's a, it's a very legitimate point. I mean, that's true. Like imagine if when he gets to the, the, the sewer and, you know, use that to mean whatever metaphorically you mean, if he met other, other bug boys and girls that had been also ostracized and, and changed and mm-hmm. gone through a transformation and that he found the community of his own that way. Because when he starts reminiscing about how kind his family was to him, you're right, that's false. And that's why he goes back to them because he thinks that maybe that there's something still, you know, that's why he, that sadness still, that's his only idea of family. So that's the only thing he has to cling to. But if he had found a different idea of family, would he have not taken that dark turn? Would he have not become... Mm-hmm. that monster that the other people saw him as. And that's, I think that's, you're right. That's where the story, the narrative kind of hopefully has changed for a lot of us because we're allowed to see that there are other, there are other people out there that are like us, even if they're mm-hmm. not immediately in our neighborhood. Yeah, I, I think yeah. It's, a, it's a lot easier to see that version of the future that is a happy one. Whereas, unfortunately, in this book, you, that's not a possibility. He just needed to meet another bug boy, bug person. That's yeah. what. That's what I was gonna say. I would. I would. My my ending that I I lo- would have loved most that wouldn't have made me so sad was if it wouldn't have been his family coming around. Just like he finds bug town, bug right? bug community, and it's just other people that have become bug people that are like hello, welcome, bug town. Welcome we bug are bug town. town. I agree, you know, if, if when he floated off there at the end, if suddenly he was rescued by the bug paramedics and, and t- taken to Bug Island, yeah, we uh-huh. can pretend that's what happened in the epilogue, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, they show him just in, in the sunset, and that's how it ends, but instead it's just a little, like, heli- helicopter, just yeah. net swoops down, picks him up, takes Hello. him to Bugtown. Welcome to Bugtown. Oh, and that's, that's, like, that, <laughs> we are bugs. <laughs> We're here now. But that last image, I don't know, it's always stuck in my mind, that last image of just him floating in the ocean. And it's, it's you know, it's very beautiful the way it's rendered. Like, it's a very realistic, like, seascape and the sun. And it's it's a very beautiful panel, despite how sad mm-hmm. it is. And I don't know, that's always like, it's like well, there's, there's rest somewhere. There's release somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know. He was well. also, he, I also have him tattooed on me. So, hey. <laughs> Well, do I think you. I hadn't. I didn't guess. I, I didn't realize a little, that. Little bug boy right there. It's when he's he's swimming and he's happy in his in his garbage dump. <laughs> well, wow. I I think it's a good point though that there is. Um, we do get I think fixated too much uh, in our culture on the happy stories and resolution, um, and I think that when you're writing something that can be that can so easily be adapted as like a metaphor for like we've talked about not really fitting in or to a society that doesn't accept you. I think it's important to have stories that aren't and then everything worked out fine and they lived happily ever after. Yeah. It's important because it's the only way that we reflect the reality, which is that sometimes that isn't the case. And 
that's what drives us to make changes and to make the world better and to strive for something that we can reflect with a happily ever after and feel good about. Yeah. Like, yes, this is reflective of an actual truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the part where he turns dark and murderous, I think that, you know, if you've, if you've ever been somebody that's been hurt and there's that inkling of like, I just want, I want revenge. And like, I think seeing that play out and seeing the sad end is actually important because it is important to establish the link between, you know, the pain you receive and how often pain Pain is kind of a virus in its own way. You know, we, we get it from mm. other people and we pass it to other, to people beyond us. It doesn't get it out of our system. We still are infected by it. We've just given it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's important to recognize that, you know, that the only way the so, pain truly stops is by metabolizing it within yourself, not passing it on. That's a good point. Wow. All from the bug boy. Hmm. Poor little bug. Well, I, I have to say, I really, it was very sad, but I really did enjoy it. I thought it was, and like you said, it is, it is, it's grotesque at many times, yes. but mm-hmm. also beautiful. Um, yeah. But, uh, but it was really well done and yeah. um, cathartic. So. Yeah, I, I would recommend it if you can, if you have a stomach for body horror and, you know, kind of, if you if you're a fan of horror comics in general and that's okay with you, it's a great story. If you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, maybe maybe skip this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. some sometimes you need something that you know is gonna um, take you there and make you cry a little bit. Yeah, and I wasn't entirely not in the Bill and Ted way, right? In a different way. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't entirely expecting all the emotions I felt just because like I genuinely had no idea. I was like, I know this is kind of like a spooky spooky story but i have no idea what else i'm going into but i i did i got very emotional and i i really enjoyed it it was the first time i'd really read like horror manga type stuff very enjoyable i enjoyed it too and thank you for sharing taylor i know that i could tell reading it that this was something very important to you so thank you for putting this out there as something we could talk about thanks tay i appreciate you both uh giving it a read thank you very much what uh? What do you have for us next week, Riley? <laughs> well, next I have something uh, decidedly less uh, meaningful. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there's a fun pun there, though. <laughs> ah, yes. I went to do a uh, meaning. Okay. Ah. Um, so a movie that came out more in your all's generation, but actually was like one of the most important movies to my middle school young adolescence was Mean Girls. Nice. Um, I watched it probably a hundred times. I know every single word. I can't believe I haven't thought to talk about it yet, but now I want to talk about it. So, all right. Nice. Well, that sounds good. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I will watch it again, and Charlie will watch it with me. I don't think Cooper could sit still for that whole. Probably not. Have you seen the musical as well, Riley? Yes. Mom and I saw it uh, when it was on tour several i mean many months ago obviously there's been no life theater any times <laughs> recently i think it was actually almost a year ago but yes i've seen the musical i've listened to the musical um mm. so i'll probably be talking about a little bit of all of it but okay, cool. we'll focus on the movie all right excellent well thank you both this has been a fun and um meaningful episode yeah <laughs> um thank you all for listening you can tweet at us at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org if you have um, questions. Questions. Comments. Or comments or suggestions. <laughs> suggestions. There you go. 
you're having word finding difficulty, you're me right now. It's been a long week. <laughs> I get it. All the weeks are long. <laughs> yes. Uh, and thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. <laughs> and I'm Taylor Smurl. I am Still Buffering. <laughs> and I am too. It took so much not to say this has been two bills and a ten. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just forget your name? <laughs> I always said this has been a bill. <laughs> or I'm a bill. <laughs> I'm a bill. I'm a bill. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. Now lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.